Everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. I'm not in the usual setup, and you will understand why in a second. But first of all, let me just put some context here. This episode was shot about a week and a half ago, where we tested Surfer AI along with all the other one-click article generator tools. Because at the time, Surfer had announced a release date for their AI tool, we thought it was ready, so we tested it the same way as we would on a finished tool, except it wasn't ready. When we tested it, it performed kind of good, but in the realm of like, yeah, it's okay, but I would probably not use it. And that's because it was using GPT 3.5, which is basically the cheapest API from OpenAI at the time. And the justification they gave us was that they had some API access issues, which is true. We had the same problems when we launched BrowseNap. Then we basically scheduled this podcast for release on Monday. They saw the thumbnail and they messaged us a little bit worried saying, what are you going to say about us? And I told them the truth. It was okay, but it wasn't as good as a tool like Koala, for example. Then that's when the weird stuff starts happening. I, at the time, was traveling in Wroclaw, Poland, which is where my wife studied, and we have a bunch of friends. And through chatting with them and giving them feedback on the tool, I realized their main office is also in Wroclaw, Poland. So it was Saturday, we were exchanging, I was giving them a lot of feedback on the tool and they were really keen on taking the feedback and implementing that on the tool and started showing me a bunch of improvements, including switching from the cheapest OpenAI model to literally the most expensive one, which is GPT-4 32K token, which most people can't even access at this point. There's a really, really long queue. And even if you have GPT-4, you probably don't have access to the 32K. And as they did that and refined the prompts, the results got a lot better to a point where for info articles, I would say they actually beat Koala compared to what we had in the podcast. And for roundup reviews, I would still give the palm to Koala at this point because they have a dedicated template. But Surfer seeing that said that they would also release that shortly after they released the product. So now I'm here in a Surfer office shooting in Nair Studio to just do justice to the product they just released because as far as one-click article generators, it's pretty much as good as it gets for this category. Now, despite all the improvements to the tool, the recommendations we make in a podcast still stand true, which is I would not rely on a one-click article generator to generate content, not read it, not edit it, and publish it on my site. I would recommend that you use these tools as kind of a first draft tool, and then you add value on top. Because if you don't actually do anything to this content, it may be easy for you to generate, but it's easy for your competitors to generate. And you're going to be drowning in a sea of competition six months from now, regardless of whether the article ranks today or not. And we don't think it's a good strategy for your websites. So we see these tools as more of a way to remove the tedious part of the content creation process so that you can focus on adding value, doing original research, experiencing things that AI can't experience and add on top of that so that you stand out from your competition and you succeed long term and not short term. So none of that has changed despite the improvement to Surfer. But as far as the product, it's a lot better than what we tested in the podcast and we wanted to make it justice in this intro. So I'm not going to tease you anymore. Let's get started with the podcast. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about one-click article writers. I'm sure we're in the middle of a big marketing campaign where Surfers is releasing their new, uh, essentially, content generator, and a lot of people are releasing these kind of tools. So we're going to talk about them. We tested a few of them, and we're going to talk about whether you should consider using these tools, whether you should not consider using these tools. I'm not fully against it. Actually, one of the tools in the badge that we tested impressed me quite a lot, and I think did a uh, like, it's not something necessarily we publish right away, but it's something that could definitely be a base for something we publish. So we'll talk about that. But 
before that, obviously, we're going to ask Mark, how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, thanks, Gail. Just recovering from the hangover that was Google I.O. yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about this for five minutes, this. actually. Let's yeah. talk about this for, for about Google I.O. Because obviously, like, people are going to be talking a lot about that, too. So we're going to talk about one-click article writers, but like, let's just do a quick recap. The first thing that Google announced is this Palm 2 model. Palm is basically GPT for Google. Like, it's their own language model. Uh, so they announced, like, a better one. And I already announced the next one as well. They're like, we have one called Gemini that is going to come as well that is multi-model and also one thing that was very what, interesting what, what, what does multi-model mean sorry multi-model means that you don't just you don't need to just input text you can input images for example like you can take a photo and it will like uh, it's used they, they showed an example of like how they do that for palm for example where they show you know like uh, x-rays and it just analyzes what's going on and makes the diagnosis, basically. So that's an idea of like uh, multimodal. But they also said something about Gemini that was very interesting to me that I think nobody in SEO world noticed from what I've seen on social media is that building they're building watermarking in from the beginning. What does that mean? That means that they will be able to tell if the model generated an image, if the model generated a text or something like that through watermarking. I don't know how they would do this for text. But I know for image, they're going to do this through metadata, basically, so that you won't be able to generate images that look real and tell people it's real if they check the metadata, basically. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to give a layer of safety and responsibility, as they say. But like, I'm curious to see if they can do that with text, which is a lot more complicated, because like raw text, you can't put metadata behind it. So let's see how it goes. But like, there was a, a little bit of talk about uh, watermarking, which was very interesting to me. I think, though, like the biggest issue, or the, the thing which will probably be concerning most people listening to this show, is going to be the changes to the SERP layouts, particularly for like best keywords. I think they had an example of a roundup review keyword there. And essentially what they've done in Wasn't this example, really the preview, but it was similar, yeah. And and remember that uh, this is the kind of very early stage like concept. The reality is probably going to be a bit different, especially when they have to factor in their own advertisers. But essentially, it was like a a super featured snippet, which had all of the products available on Google Shopping, of course. And instead of taking content from you know scraping content from sites and using that as a featured snippet, as they've done and tested quite heavily in the past particularly in the US, they have instead just generated that content themselves from AI. And it looked to be, you know, decent. It looked like an affair table quite a bit, basically, like, you know, best for X, best for Y, etc. you know? Something, we were talking about this before the show, and you, you said something which I hadn't seen anyone else sort of comment, and it was like, it didn't look like a search results page that you could scroll down. You said it, that looked like the extent of the page, and so you think a lot of people wouldn't be scrolling down to the organic results there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, they use the trick, you know, they change the background colors. So basically, you have, like, and actually, the, the layout of the setup is a little different. It has, the basically, your prompt box slash search box on top. Then you have a row of ads where it shows ads, and then it changes color. It goes to this, like, light purple, and then it gives you the AI-generated content, which has, in this case, it had three bullet points of, like, things to consider when buying a bike, and, uh, like, kind of, like, a very, very condensed version of, like, a buying guide. And then it had something that looked like an affiliate comparison table, like with like best for the city, best for the countryside, things like that, basically. And when you click on them, it would open a side panel and it would show that product on Google Shopping with the different price offers and different retailers that sell that. And as you scroll below that, which was essentially below the fold at this point, then you'd get the traditional search results. One thing to note, though, is that they also put links to websites on the top right of the SERP. So there was also three links to essentially three affiliate review type thing articles in there, which is quite interesting because if you're there, like most likely your CTR is going to be quite similar 
whether you want to or three, basically. So like the CTR map is going to change a lot. I can't say it's a positive thing for CTR. I think some people will just decide to just go through and use that. But at the same time, if you consider especially that example, right, it was a bicycle, right? So the bikes were like 1300 to 2000 something dollars, pretty expensive um, purchase. And it's like, they would just tell you best for this, best for that, etc. And so in that case, like if I was buying a bike, I'd probably watch reviews or read reviews or something like, kind of like research a little bit. The buying journey is longer, the more expensive the product is. There's no denying that some people will just jump the ship and just click the button and buy and it's going to cut some clicks from affiliates. But like also for like these kind of like, like more important purchases that take a significant percentage of your income, I do think that there would still be like some more research and you would most likely see people click on the guides, click on all of that, etc. There is another thing that they actually didn't show in the keynote, but they announced through a blog post called Perspectives, which I think is also quite interesting, which is basically... It's basically an EEAT widget, let's just call it that, where they want to surface personal experiences that you've had related to the query. So they could be surfacing short videos, so TikToks and YouTube shorts most likely, because uh, TikTok is already indexed. Blog posts, so text uh, websites, and YouTube videos. And so essentially it's kind of like a block, but then if you click it, it just expands and takes over your whole screen. It's kind of like a wall of videos and articles and things like that, that looks like they're basically trying to get away from cookie cutter SEO content and refocus more on experience and, and actually do the EET stuff for real this time, not just saying it. There's been a situation right now is really like you or I buying something on, uh, go to Google, search for it, and you don't really trust the results because they're all say the same thing. They all kind of like try and put this EET stuff in there to, to tick that box. But very rarely do people actually like provide you with like a really good experience of selecting that that product and give you good insights. You kind of have to go to a few different places to to get that. Yeah, and on that note, on EAT etc., they have announced an upcoming, potentially quite large, helpful content update that is aimed. And it's like in the notes that they put on the blog post. They have a blog post about this. We can link to this in the show notes etc. If you want to check it out, but like they say that this time they will try to understand through the content itself whether the person had experience with what they're talking about. But like, what was interesting is through the content, which tells me in a way that they probably weren't doing it through the actual words of the page so far. Maybe they were doing it through links, maybe they were doing it through, through other ways, basically. But it's funny because I think I've talked about I can't remember. I've talked about that when we did the Ahrefs talk when people are like, oh, is Google going to generate detect AI content? And I said, no, I think what they're going to do is they're going to create something that an AI agent that acts like a human quality rater and try to answer these questions like, do I trust the page? Do I like, for real? Like, it's not how you create the content, you know? it's the output of it that, that should be the defining factor of whether it's deemed high quality or not. And if they do that, in a way, it's like, I'm kind of happy in a way if they do that because that would mean the demise of 100% search intent, you need to match exactly the format of what's ranking on Google. It's like, maybe not the demise, but like the reduction in power, at least, you know? Like, if certainly for sites like Forbes or something that they can just yeah, that use their, their DR and write kind of like an average article, the same as you or I would write on a, an affiliate site, but just they're instantly ranked number one because they have that authority. Like it's just uh, it's difficult. That might open up some spots. Like it's like I'm I'm kind of hoping to see like Forbes take a fucking big hit actually from this. <laughs> and like you know all the sites that like rise their authority 
to produce the really quite bad content, but because they're Forbes or any other. It's not. It's 20, not like, bad. It's just like it's just very average. It's not EAT. Say. It's not what yeah. Google says. It's like yeah. Google says, "Hey, we want EAT. You open that." You're like, "That's not it." You know. And it's like if that gives the opportunity for small content creators to step up and actually do that, then in a sense, it's an opportunity. I think for the last twelve years or so, almost every update that's come out, it's it's felt certainly to affiliates that you know oh, we're fav- Google's favoring bigger sites, bigger authority sites, and and, and all that kind of thing. But I think it's about time that affiliates are thrown a bit of a bone in this. And this, and I'm not sure if if the SERP features bit is, but whenever there's disruption here, it creates a lot of opportunity. So if you can seize that, then it could be a good thing as well. The thing as well is like with this perspective thing, like what it makes me think is like maybe the way forward, if EEAT is truly rewarded finally, the way forward would be to both run a website and a YouTube channel, things like, like kind of like mix things up because you can, I imagine YouTube gaining lots of search traffic from that, for example. So like it becomes more interesting. And if you're doing this thing in real life, like why not make videos as well? So it's like, it's one of the things that I'm considering, like the way we run our field sites uh, all like publishing businesses will probably change, but I could see kind of like a, a, a rebalancing where you can you can capture traffic on one side where you lose on the other side and kind of like balance things out basically. Another thing I want to say about this is like we've seen these things, but let's look at how they're rolling it out. Right, there was no date given on when that would be released, and the way it works is they they essentially release the beta program that you can sign up for that will essentially allow you to test these features. And usually when a program like that rolls out and you need to sign up and they're building a whole program around it, etc., it's not for two weeks, you know? It's like something that's going to last for a while. And so I would not be surprised if this lasted at least a year and like maybe next year at Google I.O., they announce some of these rolls out to the main search or something like this, you know? It's like I think the way I see this for a lot is like I think we might see some of these widgets, like this perspectives widget. As I could see that probably in the sub a bit earlier. I could see the big helpful content update that they essentially pre-announced roll out fairly soon. Them trying to reshuffle a bit their results, etc., without the generative AI on top. And then the generative AI comes a little bit later. But at the same time, they've shown shareholders, look, we have a product answer to ChatGPT, to OpenAI. We have Bard as well. Bard also is becoming quite good, like uh, with the new Palm, and they're releasing plugins. They will plug into your Google Docs, etc., your Google Drive. Like it's gonna be, it could be a pretty useful tool. They've reassured shareholders. Being like, hey, we've, we have some products that are actually pretty cool coming up without disrupting their revenue model, which also would piss off shareholders if they roll this out. And because now when they talked about ads in this effort, so they were like, oh, we're putting ads on top, but we're kind of trying to experiment. We're not too sure what we're going to do with this, etc. So it's like it's still very much a influx for their revenue engine as well. And they, they could be disrupting themselves if they roll it out too fast. So I think it was a smart move to show cool stuff but not necessarily roll it out very quickly to just show they're in the race. So it's like, my opinion is generative AI is still quite a while away, but we might see the perspectives widgets, we might see uh, the big uh, helpful content updates, maybe they will apply AI more to the algorithm to judge websites, things like that, etc. So that's pretty much where we're at. We'll see what happens. And because it's going to take a while to roll out, one thing I want to say is like, it's probably not going to roll out the way we've seen it in Google I.O. It's going to be slightly different. If you look at BART, for example, when they first Believe it, it was a shitty chatbot. It gave zero links. It gave none of that. Now they've shown how they give a lot more attribution to content, or they link to at least related content and so on. They have to be a bit careful of this because of the like the whole litigation thing with you know governments going after them and, and stuff. Yeah, like Google, with Google, the Google News. news yeah. We were talking about that before. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Google News. They got in trouble for literally giving the news in the headline despite linking to the publishers. So it's like imagine if the generative AI cuts too much traffic to big newspapers that politicians don't care about your affiliate site, but they care about big websites. And it's like, it's good enough because you, you're in that basket where like you'll be, you know, 
treat it the same. And so I don't think it's going to roll exactly the way we see it, but something inspired by this could be rolling out in a year plus time, I think. That's pretty much this. Some opportunities potentially with the AT, potentially some negatives with the, the generative AI, but we really can't tell. It's kind of like too far from being rolled out at this point. So that's our catch up on Google I.O. Let us know what you think. All right, so now let's talk about one click content generators, basically a new category of AI tools for a while, we had like the Jasper clones, which were basically text editors, and then you'd write a prompt, and it would just write some of the article, then you'd keep writing, it writes again, etc. Now we're getting even more lazy, and we just want the whole content to be done for ourselves without uh, doing anything, which makes sense. The new models like GPT-4, etc., they're pretty great at writing. You can give them more autonomy in a way. And so I've looked at four tools. I've looked at ZimWriter, I've looked at Koala.sh. I've looked at phrase.io that just really something kind of, it's not exactly a one click, but it's, we'll talk about this. And I've actually been testing the Surfer AI that's coming out pretty much at the time at which this article, this uh, blog podcast is coming out. So we're going to talk about this. I've used it. It's like, it's not like I've spammed it, but I've generated several articles with it, like basically. And it's like, um, I, I got a feel for it, but I think there may be more nuance if you explore it more. So. Full disclaimer. Uh, and same with all of these. Like One-click article writers is not really something we use in our process right now. I did try Koala when they released it because there was so much hype on like emails and Twitter and everything that I was like, I need to try this out. It's like I was like, it's okay, but it's like I'm not super impressed. So what I did is I took, except for ZimWriter because it's Windows only, <laughs> so it's like it's really annoying to use and I don't have a Windows computer. For Koala, for Phrase, and for Surfer, I have taken essentially the same prompts, which is literally just give your keyword. And I was like, I want to do no work. I just want to give the keyword to the tool. I want to see what they output without my help, right? And usually the way these tools work is you input your keyword, they generate an outline. Usually the outline generated is just H2s and H3s. And then, except for phrase, phrase kind of like goes a little bit deeper. And then you approve the outline or you can change it manually. So you can add some extra headlines, you can remove some, etc. You can You have some cont uh, control over that. And you click on the Let's Write button and you get an article, right? That's pretty much how it works. And so I've done two samples articles. I've done one that is a random preview because I know people are going to care about this. And I've done one that, e and then the keyword, sorry, is best paintball guns for beginners. And then one that is an info article that is paintball rules, official paintball rules, that's the keyword. And usually I've used the max settings on all of these. So on Koala, for example, a 2000 word article, like the random preview was 2000 words, cost me about $5 on my plan. That's interesting. It's like, I mean, it's still much cheaper than working with a experienced, expensive writer, but it's not, not nothing. It's not as cheap. Yeah, I mean, they basically overcharge you for it. Like, you don't put your API key, but they charge you four or five times the API price. But in exchange, they build a bunch of useful tools that prompt the tool around, which honestly, it's it's fair. It's not $5 per article. It's not too bad. And I must say, I was very impressed with the rounder preview from Koala. I think it's uh, it's pretty cool. Like, it has several options as well, where you can put your affiliate ID, so it actually goes and finds the products, but it also changes all the links to your affiliate links. It actually checks the top ranking results, and it tries to optimize them. It optimized the article for ranking. So actually, I put the rounder preview from Koala in Surfer to get the score, <laughs> and it gave me 50 when the same article from Surfer gave me 54. So Surfer was like a little bit more optimized, but wasn't too far. I put all the sample articles in the show notes, so you can go on the toyhacker.com slash podcast and go find this podcast. That is 311, and then you will be able to check all the samples we're talking about, but we're going to show them on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So the problem with the, the Koala thing is like, first of all, the intro is like massive. It's too long. It's way too it, long. It is, <laughs> but if you got that from a writer, you wouldn't be surprised. No, nah, and you can edit it. It's 
it's fast, you know, like it's like I would definitely skim like uh, slim that down. But I think it's like for me, it's like it gave me four pretty chunky paragraphs. I'd want one of them. People want the answer to what they hear, like they're here to, to get products, they're not here to read, to read my life story. So it's like the way I did it, I would do that. But then after that, it got pretty good. The products it picked, I think it, it looked at the competitors on the SERPs. Like it's like, it's pretty smart on that. So my issue with this is actually product selection. If you look, the first product is this Mad Dog Corners Tactical Beginner HPA paintball gun. And then the second one is the same thing, but not an HPA paintball gun package. Yeah, I see, yeah. And also, it's not just a gun, it's a package, which is like, it's not really a query. To be fair, you, I think you could change that in the outline phase. I haven't. But like, if I was actually intending to publish something, I would double check the products it recommended. But in this case, yeah, it's like the product section, I agree, not the best. However, the way they write about the product... Is good, yeah. That impressed me <laughs> because it fakes EEAT very well in the way it writes. It's like, oh, we were thoroughly impressed with the Mad Dog Tipman. In our experience, it's a high-performance paintball gun that offers low maintenance and great reliability. We appreciated the Marcus composite construction, which makes it lightweight, comfortable to hold with molded rubber, giving us better control during the games. Sounds like you used it, literally. <laughs> very, very impressive how this was done. And it's like, the thing is like, Koala has like a, a special article template for random previews and you, it shows here. It shows that they have like special writing prompts for these things because the way these article generators do is like they write section by section. And the way they've done that is they've programmatically set up the article template where it's like write the intro, probably their prompt is a bit long. But then after that, for each one, I can imagine the prompt says like, oh, write as if you use the, the thing, read the reviews, the, the Amazon reviews, and then just like pretend you used it based on what they say, something like this. It does a surprisingly good job. Like I think uh, most writers would not do much better. Most writers that don't that know don't paintball tool, or play yeah. paintball would not do much better on the first go. I think it's like 95% there, but very impressive. Probably the most impressive roundup review I've seen so far from AI. Certainly, if you look in the SERPs, this is better than some human written content uh, that's out there. Yeah, I think if you can, uh, it's like uh, if you pick the right products, it, it would do like this section I would use actually. I would put on my article. I don't think it does worse. And I think that's kind of the theme of, of this, this episode. Like these tools are really helpful, but they're never going to be truly one click. You shouldn't publish not reading them. <laughs> yeah, because of little issues like this here. But even with just a little bit of extra work and editing and changing the, the products in this case or the intro or whatever it might be, you can get very, very close at least. That's the thing. It's like, is it worth five bucks for you to get this draft? I think that's kind of my question to you. Because that's really what it is. It's like, it doesn't mean you don't have to touch it. It doesn't mean you don't have to do anything about it. And I would, like, it's missing, like, TLDR section on top. It's missing FAQ. It's missing all of that. Like, I would not prioritize. But if you kind of, like, dress it up and edit it and make it pick the right products, is it worth five bucks? Yeah, it's, it would be more expensive to get someone else to do this draft. If you look at the buying guide, it's not that long, but I think it picked the right sections, like it put budget considerations, types of gun, weight and comfort, durability and maintenance, and accessories and customization. It's not the most developed buying guide, to be honest. I think it's like, it's okay, but that's one of the things where if I was publishing this on my site, I would probably expand that a bit. And the article is only 2,000 words, I don't know, it may be enough for this query because paintball is not very competitive. But if it was a more competitive market, you'd expect a, a much beefier uh, buying guide. But overall, 
what is written in there is, is okay, I think. It loses a little bit a little bit of that personal touch that it had. Like, you know, the tone feels a bit different from like when it wrote the product sections. And you can see the prompts are different. For Coas Defense, you can actually prom like put different prompts for different sections. So you can actually you have some control, creative control over how it's gonna write. And it uses GPT-4, by the way, that's why it's it's pretty expensive. Five dollars for like a to generate article is it's not cheap for two thousand words. So if you did four thousand words, it costs you ten bucks and so on. But overall, I think it's uh, it's better than expected when I walked into this podcast. To be honest, definitely, definitely. Now I did the same thing with Surfer, and unfortunately, the result was not as good. But it had some interesting parts still. So same. The thing is, like the rule for this was like I do no work. I'm the laziest bastard out there. I'm just putting the keyword and seeing what comes out, which is not what you should do. But I know that's what a lot of you guys are going to do. It's kind of like um, none of um, these tools really market themselves as, hey, we're a one-click, you never have to do anything tool. But you get the kind of like secondary marketing, the like sort of implied marketing, like people saying it in uh, groups or like a lot of affiliates as well will be saying like, oh, you know, like get rid of all your writers, just press one button and get all your, your, your content type stuff. That's kind of like the implicit dream that's being sold, even though it's not actually the reality of it. And the thing is, like, no, for Surfer's defense, when they messaged me to talk about Surfer, they said, one thing I'd love to ask you is to avoid building the expectation of a one-click ready-to-publish article. So it's like, that's, like, I, so, I appreciate that. So, so do that. you like, think you've done that by calling this podcast one-click article generators? Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're testing them, right? It's interesting to actually try this out and just go in real life, not being hyped up. We don't use one-click article generators, so see what you get. And Surfer did quite a bit worse, and I think the reason why is because they don't have a dedicated article template for random previews. So just spoiler alert, it did a lot better on the info content, but for this one, it didn't do so well. The good thing is the intro is definitely tighter than Koala, so like it did a better job here. And it did a kind of like a short summary thing with like bullet points, which I've noticed it does in every article I do with Surfer. And I think it's good. I like it a lot, actually. I think uh, that actually beats Koala for the first section of the article. However, it starts falling apart as you go on. And to be honest, when I saw the outline it generated with AI, I can understand it actually did not really put like product names in H2s and H3s, and I let it go. If I changed that, I think it would have done a lot better job, but I just wanted to see, like this is like really uh, like a single experiment that does not necessarily reflect the, the breadth and width of the product. I might make a deeper video on that. Maybe if you just quickly explain, like what are the touch points that you can input to in this process if, so, uh, so far, if you choose to? The way it works with Surfer is you go to the content editor, like you would when you were optimizing an article with their tool. It's basically the same tool. You put your keyword. It's going to scrape the subs, you know, pick the competitors, all that. Then you can pick the competitors it's going to use to generate an outline. So you have some control over that. Then you click a button, it generates an outline, H2s and H3s. You can change that if you want. You can rewrite things, etc. which I highly recommend you do if you don't, because otherwise you're going to end up like this random preview I got, which wasn't very good. And then after that, you click a button, I write the article, and it's going to output the content in the content editor. And the really good thing with Surfer is it optimizes them quite well. The Surfer score, like the optimization score, is always pretty high. This one was like 55. It was one of the lowest I got. Most of them are like in a 60, 70 score without touching them. And does it write initially with all those keywords in there, or does it write it and then add them in there later? Initially, it has them. 
right away. Like your first draft have them. And it's like, it's, it's decent. The problem is like, my problem with surface content in general, and you can see it in this example article, like if you read, basically it didn't even go into products. So like the headlines are like top 10 paintball guns for beginner, but it kind of like didn't break. I mean, it did talk about some stuff, but it's, it's messy. Basically, it's just like a big blob of text. Then mechanical uh, electric paintball guns, HPA versus, versus CO2, woods ball versus pitball. Like it's kind of going a little bit off. But again, I let it write about whatever it wanted. And I think it just picked the wrong headlines from there. So it's like, I think you could get a much better result if you inputted more data into the outline. If you compare the Surfer info article to the Koala info article, what, it's what's a lot your closer. There? It's a lot, a lot closer. I still like, you know what impressed me with Koala is that they actually put tables in the article. <laughs> like, yeah, um, it, the, it, it really feels like it's broken up this kind of wall of text. There's a lot of bullet lists and kind of pulling the key information out and just the way they're writing the bullet list with like the bolded first few words to to make it clear what it's talking about. It's, it's even visually just on the text document here. It looks great. Really does. But it still messed up the intro. The intro is like way, way too long. It's not very good. So it's like, that's a problem. Like I would probably edit every single intro if I use this. It doesn't have this key takeaways section as well, which I really wish it had. It would all content should have that, should have that at this point. It's something that we implemented with AI right now. But to be honest, you can literally do that with um, Bing and uh, Edge. So you can just open whatever article you have on your site and say, write a key takeaways box, like five bullet points or something. It will read the article, write the box for you. If you have an element in generate box, uh, in generate block, sorry, you can just put it there. So you don't really need to pay for a tool for that. You could essentially do that. But if you really want to be lazy, like I wish it wasn't there. I wish the template was altered a little bit. Can you add your own like writing guidelines documents to these tools or does that have to go like into each prompt? So um, it's per article. So you can't like set something that's going to do all your articles on these lines. On Surfer, you really have no control over the writing style. I mean, you have control, sorry, on like the, you can say like friendly, conversational, SEO optimized, etc. But like my writing prompts, they include like full editorial guidelines quite often, for example. Like it's very precise, like how I want the AI to express itself. So that's why when we do AI content, like it reads very close to like something I would write or you would write or something like this because it matches the tone of the brands that we built. You can do that with Koala to some extent, but you need to input that every single time you generate an article. You can't do this on the account, right? So Koala gives you, actually, let me just double check. If you go in the advanced options, you can give an outline prompt so you can actually influence how it's going to generate the outline. You can give a title prompt and you can give a section prompt. And section prompt is basically the sections in your article, so the body. And so in the section prompt, you could be putting like your editorial guidelines and so on and then influence the way it writes. Whereas with Surfer, you just have a drop down that lets you say friendly, SEO, casual, formal, etc., which gives you a lot less control over this, which is a bit of a shame, but I'm pretty sure it's like an update away. I'm sure they can add it if they want to. And uh, I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast and they'll do it. But yeah, Koala was pretty good. The topic, by the way, we haven't said was official paintball rules, which again is like, it, I tried to do something very simple, but yeah, it's good. It's broken down. It uses bullet points when it makes sense. It doesn't overuse bullet points, even though like maybe a little overused, I'd say, in safety and equipments, etc. Whereas the Surfer article, let me open it. Surfer article was also pretty good. Like it actually got, the outline was a lot better, I think. Um, my problem with the Surfer article is it feels a bit too much like a wall of text. Like it has the short summary with bullet points, but the rest 
feels chunky paragraph after chunky paragraph after chunky paragraph. Even though the outline was pretty good, like safety rules, rules of play, paint checks, established boundaries, dead zone, staging area, game objective, creating teams, hits, etc. Like, it's good. The outline is good, and it did an FAQ at the end. That's what's the one thing that uh, Surfer does good, is most articles have an FAQ at the end. So, like, it's almost like, you know, they, they each have their strong and weak points, because, like, Koala is not good at intros. Surfer is better at intros, but then Surfer understands some core things that you'd want to see in an article, like the short summary, that the FAQ, like all of that, etc. It does a better job at that. But the problem is I feel like Surfer needs to work a little bit on their writing prompts. I think it's a little, a little fluffy. I have a GPT editor prompt that I use internally for us. So basically, one of its main instructions is like remove fluff, you know? And at some point, I put like a 3,000-word article from Surfer into that, and the article became 800 words, right? So it's like, it just like, it lost a lot of water weight, you know? And so it's like, that's pretty much where we landed on this. But it's like, none of these I would probably publish as they are, but the closest one that is to something I'd publish as they are would be Koala for me, actually. Even though I think Surfer, with a few updates, can come very close and to be frank, has a better user interface. Like it's kind of like Surfer is like a more evolved tool. It's just that this is a new section in there. I'm sure they will iterate on. And I would not doubt they can do that. The problem with Surfer as well is you don't know which model they're using. It's like when I ask them, which model are you using, like GPT 3.5 or 4, like 3.5 is like way cheaper. It's like 10 times cheaper. So if you're a software company, you're tempted to just use some of that to generate more profit, basically. <laughs> Whereas Koala, you actually choose. You have a toggle, you, but GPT-4 costs like four or five times more. But as I said, like a 2,000 roundup article cost me five bucks with GPT-4. I think it's worth saying that for Koala, the tool has been out there for a while. It's battle-tested. They've been updating it and improving it. But the entire company is quite new. Whereas Surfer, the company's been around for a while doing SEO optimization stuff. So, you know, it's very sort of well developed. It there, could change quite quickly, yes. Content part is like we're we're essentially testing the beta of Surfer against the version whatever of Koala here. So I would I'm actually wondering things will develop quite quickly here. I'm actually wondering they could uh, release a day one update. Like it might be better than what we've tested, what people get. Like it's quite common in product development. So I would not be surprised if Surfer is a bit better than what we got. But yeah, in terms of what of what came out. Today, if I had to pick just doing these things, and again, it's a very specific test. It's like I put no effort into this. I would use Koala personally. And it's about the same price with the new pricing on Surfer. If you are like on a, I checked, like if you're on a $99 per month plan on Surfer or 89, I can't remember. I checked the ex price per extra article. Like you have a certain amount of articles included, but price per extra article was like $5, which is about the price of a GPT-4 article with 2,000 words on Koala. So it's quite close. But I don't think costs is, uh, is something that uh, matters a lot. The problem is that when you do Koala, you have no on-page optimization tool. And so like you kind of have to trust the tool's gonna do a good job. It has an option to do that. And from my test, like I've taken the content base in Surfer, it was close enough. It was usually a bit lower in optimization than Surfer, but it was not too far. But yeah, it's like you're probably gonna have to buy an on-page tool if you if you care about that. Whereas with Surfer, it's included in, so there's that extra value. So it's pretty much a very limited test. Doesn't mean that like it doesn't mean that one tool is better or another. Just wanted to share first-hand experience. I know people kind of like that. After reading this content, how do you feel about one-click content now? How would you like you're running an affiliate site? Do you publish any of that? Do you consider using any of that in your process? How do you implement that? No, so I, I'm not blindly publishing any of this. It could be done, and I think that the Koala one especially, I could see many sites like blind publishing that um, one-click, one and 
doing okay. But then you, you get into the same situation. Well, if that's the baseline level of content and everyone can do that, why do you deserve to rank? You need to take things a little step further. And and you've you kind of highlighted that even with doing one or two little tweaks on the intro or adding an FAQ or selecting the right products, you can make it from kind of okay to pretty decent actually. Especially in like lower competition spaces. I don't think this I don't think this stuff is going to be ranking for you know best vacuum cleaner or something like that anytime soon. Competing against the modern castles of this world, you're just not going to do that with this type of content. But it's very promising. And I think that there's a big use case, a big argument to say that if you can take the kind of experience and real world, yeah, real world experience that our uh, specialist writer in that space has, combine it with this to make actually writing what they want to say faster and easier for them, then you might be onto a, a winner there. And I think whoever figures out how to mix and match those two worlds will do very well. Yeah, it's interesting as well. We obviously have a, a blueprint on how to create AI content. It's a little bit more hands-on, but the trade-off is you get a lot more control. It's also a lot cheaper because we just use the GPT-4 API and we use basically free tools in Google Docs, etc. Like Your articles will be five times cheaper if you use the blueprint. And you will have more editorial control on like how it sounds, how it's edited. We also have like a full edition process as well that these tools don't have. Maybe, maybe we should make our own tool then. <laughs> We could, but like it's just going to be a race with everyone. It's like, uh, I'd rather be the, the, the guy who tests it. I think, yeah, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of these tools out uh, now, more and more coming out, more and more other tools implementing AI content creation in them. Do you everyone think we're going to see now. this kind of like commoditization of this type of, of content if, if we haven't already? Mm. We will, but it's still like you still need to build a process to like generate that content essentially check it to make sure it's not it didn't put uh, false information in there etc and then publish it in a clean way on your site it doesn't it looks good it's well formatted etc like there's still like work involved so it's like I don't think it's going to be like mass spread right now, but eventually it's going to become part of the process to use some kind of AI to help you. Especially like I can see how you can be quite strategic about it. You can make a really good, let's say you you have your best paintball guns article that's like really, really good. You bought the guns, you tried it, etc. You've gained trust from Google. And then you find all these low hanging fruit, low long tail keywords, and you make kind of like an edited Koala article from it and you put it on your site. And you can kind of like 10x your revenue, having some of your hero pages done really well, building a great reputation, but maybe you don't have the resources to do the, um, the long tail variations of that. And you use some of these tools to like help you capture that traffic. I think that these kind of opportunities will be, will be there, but I wouldn't run a site purely on just this kind of stuff. I would mix kind of like hero content done really well, building reputation, getting links and everything, and then kind of deep link to it within my main hero articles to capture the long tail keywords, actually. So that's what I would do. There's a lot of kind of like, I don't want to say lower quality, because that, that kind of gives a, the wrong impression, but the support content where you're not really trying to impress your community, but you're just trying to like have some content around that that keyword. Capture some long tail traffic, yeah. It can be good for that. Like honestly, I think I want to explore uh, uh, some of that actually. Like um, explore like really long tail, like you know, these kind of like keywords with 20 search volume on Ahrefs type stuff. Well, it's like, oh, it's very relevant to like the audience I want to capture. But honestly, for this much traffic, maybe it's not worth spending lots of uh, resources building that content. Well, uh, maybe I can find uh, kind of like an 80-20 process here that allows us to publish something decent there and it can be integrated into an existing hub or something like this. So I think for that, um, that there, there, there will be a place for these tools for that where you kind of have higher effort, low effort content, you know? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll be in a situation really soon where every sort of conceivable keyword, even kind of zero volume Ahrefs keywords, 
will have not be competitive, but will have uh, ten plus articles written about written targeted towards them. Whereas right now, a lot of them you have content written for different keywords ranking for them because there's nothing specifically targeting it type thing. Yeah, but that's why that's why I think Google is going to change. Like, you know, the, let's go back to Google I.O. here. It's a full circle. You're going to prompt Google more than, like, you're not going to just write a short keyword, etc. Like, they really, that's what they were saying. Like, you'll be able to find, you know, I want to go on a trip for five people with a dog and two kids, etc. Like, where is the best place? It will just find you an AI answer, but also relevant content for that. And so, like, keyword research and the way you target keyword might change significantly. And I think what might change significantly is how we use search engines. And if that's the case, there will be a use case for creating this super ultra niche content that captures, for example, like it's very smart. Like if you're a travel blog, maybe you want to start creating content for like super big families because it's a really real trouble to to like travel with seven kids or something. <laughs> and also the high budget. So you can make a uh, high commissions there. So maybe there will be a play here on like, hey, how do I travel to this place with a family of seven plus? And then like making a guide with AI that will do 80% of the job. And then you kind of like tweak it here and there, link to 11 pages on your site. And bam, you can capture that because people are prompting Google rather than rather than just typing more generic keywords, basically. So there, I think that like it's all going to come full circle with like search engines themselves changing and how people search changing. And so like this AI content might help you capture this kind of like very long tail keyword. It's going to be a, a strategic game of like who has the most money to spend, what kind of content can I spend. If content is created in a click, it's more about the strategy now. So I think that's going to be quite interesting. And obviously like all these topical authority stuff where people want to cover the topic as much as possible. These kind of tools might help you a little bit with that, but I would not publish as it is. Any final words of wisdom? Do you want to add anything to this podcast? Just one question at the end, you know, if you're writing all the content yourself or you have, you know, a small team of, of human writers at, at the moment, what do you do with this new information, this new landscape, these these new tools? What action should the, the affiliate site owner be be taking today? I mean, there's no way this doesn't, like this is already too entrenched into the landscape that is going to go away. Like that, it doesn't mean like there could be a fad, there could be, or just there could be just be search engine taking a lot of the value of creating that content away eventually, like so, for this very long term, that's possible. But the content creation process will include AI now forever. It will help you brainstorm, it will help, help you outline, it will help you write first drafts, etc. And so if you haven't started yet, it's time to start looking at this, but also be very wary of the hype. Because as you say, like these tools, they will sell you like, oh my God, you're going to make so much money. You're going to create all that content in one click. And, and, and there are like, you find examples of sites mass publishing AI content ranking well, but check them six months later and they're gone. Uh, and, and Google seems to be determined to make more aggressive updates as they've ha- outlined with this new helpful content update that's most likely coming towards essentially surfacing real human content. Like, not because it's written by humans, but because it has real experience in there. And that's what they're looking for, which is a bit different. You could write real experience content assisted with AI, for example. That's possible. So it's like, it's a very delicate line to walk between not falling into the hype and not being left behind. So, yeah, and that's what we try to do with the Blueprint, really. Like, the Blueprint is definitely not a one-click article generator. Like, you're involved in a content creation, but AI helps you all stages, like outlining, writing, and editing, and spits that up. And so, like, that's our line on this. We might be wrong. History will tell. But that's where we, we stand, I think. I think there's also a kind of danger for anyone who's like brand new to this as well. Like if you learn to create content through these tools versus writing something, like if you've never written an article, 
and you're trying to pull, pull it together just through these tools, I think that may pose certain challenges. It's like your calculator example. It's like if you learn to do math with a calculator and never know how to you add a few numbers to together, yeah, there's there's a bit of a problem there. You have there. different feel for numbers, you know? Like you don't uh, you don't truly understand it to that same level. So it's like, it's kind of like the, the karate kid, you know? It's like at the beginning he has to like take the jacket and put it like a thousand times or something. It's like you, you kind of need to do that to create a website. And it's like, even though it seems inefficient compared to people racing with AI, we still recommend people, like in our training, we recommend people write the first 10 articles on their site. And it's like, it's quite important because you, you will get a feel for what's good, what's bad. You will grow a level of self-criticism or criticism towards content. You will be actually reading your competitor's content rather than just scrape it and just create something based on it, etc. And that knowledge of your industry, it's going to be necessary if we live in a world where like real experience is rewarded, etc. And someone's going to have to care. Basically, the problem is like, if you think that you don't care about content you created in one click quite often, like you, it's just like you don't, you're not willing to put the effort into it just because it was too easy to get. Whereas when you spend hours on doing it, you, you kind of like protect it and you care more, etc. And so someone needs to care in your business and needs to be the gatekeeper towards not publishing shit on your site because that's the, the key to getting in trouble with Google. And so that's the if you can generate content with AI but still care, then it's going to be amazing. If you lose that level of care for your content, you don't check it as much, you don't edit it as much, etc., you're most likely going to be in trouble at one point or another. That's pretty much my take on this. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed this experiment. Again, not a complete experiment. It doesn't mean that you know one tool cannot beat the other in other situations. We are going to start releasing more content on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, go and subscribe on YouTube, Atari Hacker. We are actually slowly, but there's already a video that's out. So go and check it out because it actually reveals a brand new tool that we have released. Hey, I just cut Gail because his outro was shit, so I'm going to record this again. But essentially, we have started doing YouTube videos now. Our first one was released uh, last week, so every second Monday when there's not a podcast, there's going to be a YouTube video. Uh, so if you're listening to this on audio or if you're listening to this on YouTube and not subscribed already, make sure to go over to the Authority Hacker YouTube channel, subscribe there, and you get a ton of new content now every single week from us. Mm-hmm.